Well, today we're starting a new series. We're going through the book of 1 John. 1 John. But before we get into the Word, I was thinking this week about an interesting phenomenon that happens, at least to me, when I'm eating. Maybe I'm at potluck and I try something that's really, really good, a dessert that tastes so good, or maybe I'm at a frozen yogurt shop and I taste this flavor and it's so, so good. And, and often what happens when you taste something good and you have people around you, you say, hey, you got to try this. Try this. This tastes so good. Here, have a slice of this orange. This orange is so good. Have you done that before? Okay, maybe I'm the only one. Yeah, some of you have done that. And then on the opposite side, sometimes I'll take a slice of the little mandarin orange, little cutie, and it's horrible. Hey, Sarah, try this. Last week it happened with grapes. They just were kind of mushy, actually, these ones. I said, try this grape. A while ago, I had some protein powder that was really terrible. Worse than the average. Uh, a lot of like the vegan ones are not so great, kind of gritty. And, uh, and this one was like gritty and really bad flavor. And I said, Sarah, you got to try this. It's worse than normal. Have you ever done that before with gross things? I think there's some phenomena, there's some desire in our hearts to have community and to experience shared experiences together. And so when something's really good, we want others to know also how good it is so they can try it. And when things are bad, we, we kind of like to have company when we're miserable, even if it's a miserable flavor in our mouth. One time I was at school and somebody said, wow, this candy that a mis student missionary sent back from, from the, the, the distant regions of the world, taste it. It's like a Buddhist temple in your mouth. And I tried it, and it, it was. It tasted like incense from a Buddhist temple that was like made in a candy. And I don't know what was in it. Well, I have a suspicion. Um, there was some herb that not herb, it was some root or something that has kind of that sort of flavor. But we like to have these shared experiences. As we get in the book of 1 John, as you're turning there in your Bibles, 1 John is a book written by someone who experienced Jesus and he wanted to share that experience with other people. He had tasted and seen that the Lord was good and he wanted other people to know just how good and how real that Savior is. Now, John doesn't identify himself in this letter, but it's given his name as a title, and there's good reasons to believe that he wrote the book. If you compare it with the Gospel of John, it's so, there are so many parallels. Even the very first bit of John and the first bit of 1 John, very, very similar language. He uses similar Greek style. He uses similar words, similar phrases, similar themes. And early church fathers, they had no doubt that this book was written by John himself, the one who was with Jesus, who saw him. He, he explores some various themes in it. He writes it like a pastor wanting his sheep to, to grow and prosper. And as we go through this book, we're going to be reminded again and again about how God wants us to love others. Amen? He wants us to love each other. Um, he wants us to follow him practical godliness, but he also talks about these heresies that were going around in the church, and he doesn't name them by name, 
but he says things that will help steer people clear of falling into these heretical teachings. We would know them today as early forms of Gnosticism. Gnosticism it comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. And in its later development, especially, there were a lot of people, the Gnostics, who claimed to have this secret knowledge, these secret mythical insights into God and to Jesus. And so you can read books like the Gospel of Judas. Did a paper on that one time. Not written by Judas. Claimed to be written by him, but obviously not written by him. And it has this secret knowledge, and, and in the book, Judas explains how Jesus told him to turn him over, uh, to betray him. And he, anyways, it, it gets really, really weird. But I had to think to myself this week, we kind of have some modern-day Gnosticism in our world, in our church. It's these attitudes that sometimes we approach the Bible and we approach the, the, the reality and we, we feel like we have these secret insights into the Bible, secret insights into Jesus. And if you'll just watch this video and you'll just read this, and, and there was this secret meeting, and, and it's all based upon secret insights. And... and no doubt there are secret meetings that take place. Uh, no doubt there are things that happen because I, I'm not everywhere. But I think a lot of these cases, a lot of these things are like Gnosticism, trying to get us down a rabbit hole when the simple truth of the gospel is open for all to see. And that's the gospel that John is presenting in his book. 1 John chapter 1, we begin. Verse 1. That which was from the beginning. Now in John 1, 1, the Gospel of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He focuses on the beginning, and, and even a little bit before the beginning. Well now, later on in the letter of John, the first one, he goes from the beginning. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. Do you notice some senses being described in that verse? What would you, what'd you notice? Sight. Sight, okay, what else? Hearing, Hearing and what else? Touching. See, one of the early heresies John was combating was docetism. Docetism taught that Jesus came down to the earth, but he didn't come in human flesh. And this will pop up later again in, in the gospel. So John, from the very beginning, is saying, I heard him, I saw him, I touched him. He is real. He wants it to be very clear so that nobody falls into these traps. And he wants us to also experience what he saw, touched, and heard. He wants it to be very clear. And we're proclaiming to you the word of life. Verse 2, the life appeared, and we have seen it. Visual again. And we testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was from the Father, which has appeared to us. Are you getting the hint? He's trying to really let us know, I saw him. We saw him, we touched him, we heard him. Verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. 
so you may also have fellowship with us. So John is saying, I had an experience, I was there, I saw him, I touched him, I heard him, and I want you to also believe so that you can have fellowship. Now Bill's wondering what's in the box. Anyone else wondering? Well, I need, I need three volunteers. Maybe, maybe yeah, we'll just go one, two, and three. Yeah. Uh, one, two, three. And I'll have another one for you later. Okay, so come on up and just stand here. Now, everybody back there, it's too far for them to see. So, so they're not going to be able to see very well what's in the box, but I've got to take care of one thing real quick. All right, so you see what's in the box? What's in the box? A bag. a bag. They say there's a bag in the box. Do you believe them? Okay, why? They can see it. They seem like pretty trustworthy people, right? Okay, there is a bag in the box. Can, can you in the back see what's in the, what's in the bag? We need someone closer. We need somebody who's right there to tell us. Now, we had three, sight, uh, three types of scents that were used. We had sight, right? And we had, what were the other two? We had hearing and then touching, right? So you're going to, what's that? Okay, well, she said we didn't touch it. We're going to let you touch it. So you're going to get to see what's in here, but don't tell everybody else what's in there. Okay, do you see, do you see what this is in there? You see that there? Okay, you think you know what that is? Yeah. Okay. Now, what one do you want to be? Do you want to hear or do you want to touch? We'll let you hear, okay? You're not going to get to see, but just listen. Okay. Okay, think about that, and then I'm not going to let you see, but I'm going to let you just touch. Okay, you have at least a general idea of what the external is, right? Okay, so he says it felt like a box. Any ideas what was in that box? Okay, could have been nuts. That's a good guess. Now, we're going to combine that with your knowledge. What, what did you see? It was a box with, um, no, it was a box with pieces for a, um, what is this called? For a puzzle. Oh, so let's listen to this again and see if that lines up with what you heard. Does that sound like it could be pieces of a puzzle? Yes. Did it feel like there could be a box in there that has a puzzle in it? Yes. Yeah, well, let's take a look. Sure enough. Very good. Now give him a hand. You can, you can have a seat. So, you back there wouldn't have been able to see very well, or even hear super well, and you certainly can't touch from back there, but we had three reliable people up here who were able to touch, to hear, and to see. Do you believe what they had to say? Yeah. yeah. Well, now you have seen also and heard, but you still haven't touched. I could have nuts in there. 
like was suggested. Could be a trick. It's not in this case. If any of you want a thousand piece puzzle to borrow for a month, you're welcome to borrow it. <laughs> Good Sabbath afternoon activity. So we're not able to go back in time 2,000 years ago to see, to hear, and to touch Jesus. That's impossible to us, right? But John is saying, I'm an eyewitness. There were other eyewitnesses, and you can take our word for it. We had an experience, and we're so excited about it, we want you to experience it also. We want you to have this fellowship. Greek word there is koinonia, or koinonia, uh, depending on how you pronounce it. Fellowship. He wants us to have this intimate fellowship. I looked up this word, and we define it uh, like this. It's called close association involving mutual interests and sharing. Association, communion, fellowship, close relationship. John's desire is for us to have that close association together. As the early church had, his desire is that we all can have it. In fact, the early church, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says that they continued daily, continued daily, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and the breaking of bread and in prayers. What made the early church special was that they were together. They had this close association together. They shared their food. They shared their resources. They prayed together. They witnessed together. They worshiped together. And God did powerful things through that early church community. So John's writing a letter because he wants other people to have that same experience. So John chapter 1. Verse 3, 1 John chapter 1, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship, koinonia, with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. So there's the fellowship across, reaching out to the other person, and there's fellowship reaching up. Two types of fellowship. So reaching up and reaching out. Do that with me. God wants us to reach up to him, not that he's up directionally, and he wants us to reach out to others, so reach out. All right, do it again. Reach up, reach out, all right? We're going to come back to this. God, if we're going to grow, we got to reach up and we have to reach out to one another with this type of fellowship. And verse 4, we write this to make our or your joy complete. John got this phrase, that your joy may be full. He got it directly from Jesus in John 15. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that your joy may be full. He was talking there about abiding in Jesus, abiding in the commandments, especially in the command to love each other. So who wants to have full joy? Who wants just half joy? Or just like 10% joy? <laughs> That'll be you on the bike tomorrow. 10% joy. <laughs> He's riding in the bike-a-thon. But we're going to come cheer you on. We're going to support you tomorrow. Amen. So if we want full 100% joy, then we need to, to reach up to God and we need to reach out to one another with true godly fellowship. And only fellowshipping at potluck, the fellowship meal, is not going to do the job, as important as that is. Amen? 
it goes deeper than that, Frank. But we're grateful for it. We're grateful, and we're grateful for all that you're doing to help out our church. So that's the introduction. I'm an eyewitness, he says. You can take the word we saw, we touched, we heard. And our goal is that you have fellowship up and fellowship out so you can have full joy. Full joy. Now, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is what? Light. Later on, we're going to see God is love, but now he says God is light. Not that God is full of light. God himself is light. God is light. In him, there's how much darkness? None. You've seen the yin-yang before, right? Half light, half darkness. That's not how it works, according to God. I don't need a little bit of darkness to be light, God says. Nope, 100%. 100%. All light, according to God. No darkness. If we claim, verse 6, to have fellowship, koinonia, with him, yet we walk in the darkness, we lie, and we don't live by the truth. So if we're saying, yeah, 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 I love God, I know God, I follow God, but we're walking in darkness, we don't actually know him. We lie. Now I needed one more volunteer. Chauncey, come on forward. All right. I told you I'd have something else for you. So this is going to, we can't really make it totally dark, so we're just going to represent darkness here. All right, so we don't want you to hurt yourself, but just walk towards me. Yeah, whoa, not that way. Careful. All right, how is it, hold on, just one second, stay right there. How well can you see? I see through the bottom. Yeah, so, there, so if, we, if we totally like blocked off all the light, it'd be a lot harder, huh? Okay, you can, you can take the box off your head now. You want to keep the box? That's, that's a little bit what it's like for a Christian who says, I love Jesus, I know Jesus, but they're just kind of spinning in circles, walking all over the place. If you know Jesus, you're going to follow him. You're going to be wanting to walk in the path of light. Sometimes at night... Walking around my house, I pull out my cell phone, flip off the light, because I don't want to step on something. Uh, I don't want to trip into something, right? We know if you want to be successful, you need to have light when you're walking around. So if we claim to be a Christian, we better follow the truth that we know. How do we walk in the light? Well, God is light, so we have fellowship with him and if we have fellowship with him, then we're automatically with the light. I had some friends in, in high school that claimed that light bulbs were, were dark suckers. Right? And then when the light bulb burns out, you know how they're a little bit darkened? They say, see, that's residual darkness that's stuck in them from sucking out all the darkness. Uh, that, was, that was their theory that they were having fun with. But the reality is, God doesn't need darkness to exist. Darkness is merely the absence of light. And so if we want to be free from darkness, we just go to where there's total light, and there will be no darkness in us. We let the Holy Spirit live fully in our hearts and lives, and whew, 
he automatically expels the darkness. Amen? Amen. We flip on the light of the Holy Spirit in our life and zoom, all the darkness is gone. So he says, if we walk in the light, now verse 7, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. You see, following God leads to closer fellowship with one another. That's the fellowship we're wanting to create and foster and build upon in our church, in our community. In fact, this fall, I'll be telling you more about it, but this fall, we want to be more intentional about that. And so we're going to be putting a renewed emphasis on small group communities in our church. Not ones that last forever, ones that go for 10 weeks in a trimester system, three trimesters a year. Go for 10 weeks in a small group, and then you take a break. Sometimes people don't join small groups because they're like, ah, I don't want to join something that lasts forever. Like, is this a 50-year commitment when I join? No, this is for 10 weeks. And we're going to have groups that will be exercise groups. We're going to have groups that will be Bible study groups, groups that will be prayer groups, groups that will be whatever you want to create type of groups. I'll be telling you more about it. But our goal is to create fellowship with one another and to connect in fellowship with God so that together as a church we can walk better in the light and walk better in love with one another. More on that to come. In verse 7, second half, it says, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. When we connect with God, we're filled with light. It leads to greater fellowship with one another, and it leads to purification from sin. And he continues, now getting to one of the most popular verses, or one of the most well-known verses in this book, getting to verse 9, but before that, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you say you're not a sinner, you're sinning right then. Amen? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If we are a Christian, we will admit we need the help of Jesus. We'll admit, I fall short. I need God's help. You can't get help until you admit you have a problem. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we're humble and we're willing to admit it, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us, to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness, except for that really bad thing you did a long time ago, right? No? All righteousness except for the thing I still wish I hadn't done. There is no sin that you can put in this verse that God can't cleanse you from. Amen? Doesn't matter what it is. God can and will forgive you if you confess your sins to him. He's faithful and he's just to forgive us and to cleanse us. I think about this verse like hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer, if your hands are dirty, have germs on them, you take a couple pumps from the the hand sanitizer, you put it on your hands, you go like this. The germs are dead now, hopefully, but where are they? They're still on your hands. They're just dead germs on your hands. So, God forgives us from our sin, but then he does step two, which is to cleanse us, to wash 
the, 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 the germs, the sins, totally off us. So there's no record of those sins, those germs anymore. You see what I'm saying? He wants to forgive us and to cleanse us, to kill the germs and to wash them away. He doesn't want to just live, have us live in this perpetual cycle of sin and forgiveness. He wants us to, to start growing more and more, to cleanse our hearts so that we're going to not want to keep doing that thing over and over again. He wants to, to cleanse us and to forgive us so that we have power to live a new life. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. That's not a good idea, calling God a liar. We make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. Chapter 2, verse 1, my dear children, I write to you, to the, to you so that you will not sin. The goal is for us not to sin. But if anybody does sin, he says, we will have one who speaks to Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The goal is for us to aim for, for the life of Jesus, to be more and more like him every single day. That should be your goal. But if you're like me, you fall down, you make mistakes, good news, there's a safety net. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who gave everything so that we could be cleansed and forgiven. Verse 2, he is the, the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. We can have fellowship with God because of the grace of God, the grace of Jesus. I read somewhere recently that grace could be used as an acronym. Grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. So we can reach up to God because of his grace, and we can reach out to others also because of that grace. So we've been invited to four things this morning. Number one, fellowship. Which is two parts, right? Reaching up, do it with me. Reaching up and reaching out. One more time. Reaching up and reaching out, reaching out to each other in the church and reaching out to others in the world. We've been invited to fellowship, we've been invited to follow him in the light, and we've been invited to accept forgiveness and freedom. Who wants to reach up to God this morning and claim that today? How about, how is it with you? I want that in my life. I want that. So what are we gonna do with the message for today? Well, we know in this fall, we're going to be increasing our intentionality about reaching out to one another. But we don't want to wait till the fall to start increasing our koinonia, our fellowship with one another, our fellowship with God. So what can you do this week to improve your intentionality about reaching up to God and reaching out to other people? I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell you what the Holy Spirit will say to you, but tonight, well, right now, right now, as I pray, I just, I'm going to give you uh, about 15, 20 seconds of pause in the prayer to just say, God, is there anything you want to say to me regarding fellowship, regarding following, regarding your light and your forgiveness and fellowshipping with one another?
And whatever God says to you, do it. Fair enough? All right, let's pray. Dear God, I am grateful today that you reached down to us. You came down to us. The disciples got to witness you firsthand, and they left an accurate record so that we too could follow and have full joy. Today, we've been challenged by your word to follow you and to reach up to you and seeking that closer fellowship with you and reach out to others seeking closer fellowship with others. And I don't know what, what you're going to say to each of us individually, but right now we just pause for a few seconds to begin asking you to begin this conversation. So we pause right now. Father, we want to follow you, whatever you say to us now, or whatever you'll say to us later. Thank you for the increased joy that we'll have from the fellowship with you and fellowship with others. We love you, and let all God's people say, Amen. Have a happy Sabbath, and we will see you soon.